Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. You know, we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. Welcome in, everybody who actually listened to Ballsy last week when you had to deal with me rambling on for 30 minutes with no interruptions. Fortunately, we have a guest for you this week so that you won't have to listen to me. And it's actually one of our favorite guests, probably our favorite guest of all time. The wonderful Emily Jones McCoy of Fox Sports Southwest Rangers broadcast and master of many ceremonies and entrepreneur beyond belief. Hello, Emily. How was that for an introduction? Hello, Evan. Man, that is that is quite the introduction. I greatly appreciate it. Well, you, you I, and I didn't mention your expert blogging um, skills, which are Ex- fan- fantastic. And if you've got a kid and... Uh, I highly recommend. Is it at poshplaymat.com? It is. It is poshplaymat.com. Emily's got great, great, she's a great, she really is a great writer. I've told her this before. Um, she writes with very, a very personal touch about a lot of things that are just important to her. It's not necessarily baseball. It's not necessarily sports. It's just kind of life in general. And um, she just recently wrote one about, Dealing with anxiety uh, inside her family, and and uh, it's uh, it was a really good read. So, thank you for doing that. Thanks, Evan. I appreciate it. I like to refer it refer to it as word vomiting is what I what I do. Word vomit. It, it so. is most definitely not word vomit, but I'm not going to just get into <laughs> a uh, people who read my stuff on a daily basis know what word vomit looks like. <laughs> Um, but your, your thoughts are, are really, really good. And I, I appreciate when you do that kind of stuff, but well, let's get, you. let's get into stuff that does actually make people want to vomit. And that's talking about the heat <laughs> from this weekend. What a segue. How did you, yeah, the, that, I learned that in, um, radio host school. <laughs> I don't know that I got my uh, money's worth out of it. Um, yeah, it's, it's very hot. <laughs> Very hot. Um, I don't know how what, what what rating system we've got on this podcast. Like, if it's PG or PG thirteen, or if you, we're on the R scale. Um, you yeah. go with I what mean, you got to go with. If we want to beep you out later on, we'll beep you out. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying it's, it's not the most appropriate thing I've ever said. But it's, honestly, Evan, like your your underwear literally just becomes sweat catcher. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it. That's that's they they serve a very unique purpose. Um, it, it's unlike it's just it's unbelievable. It's unbearable, and I don't see how people. Not only are they there of their own free will, they have paid money to come, and they and then they sit in the sun. Like on Sunday, people were sitting in the sun. They didn't even seek shelter in the in the shade. It was almost like they were. It was like this badge of honor that uh, they were wearing. Yeah, and you you did actually spend time. Um, with your fan and set your fan of the game segments, like going and talking to these people, and were they babbling incoherently at that point in time, or what was the what, what did they say about enjoying I, the game? No, I just they. I mean, I think some people literally like saw it as basically like being at a pool without a pool and watching baseball instead, and like they were like you know sun screened up and but getting some sun, and 
I don't know. I mean, it, it that Sunday's game was just beyond anything I've ever experienced out there. Uh, and I did, you know, I took my little handy laser thermometer around the ballpark, and it was 150 degrees on the seat bottom in Section 218. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. It, it, it is. Um, and we... We talked at the start of Friday's game, which at that point in time was the hottest game in Rangers ballpark history, and it was 107. And I think it was, I think you had sent me the thermometer from the field was 111 or 112. Yeah. Um, and that game lasted almost five hours. And as you did, when I mentioned on Twitter that the players had to be kind of running low on fluids, you did mention that there are refreshments in the, <laughs> in the dugout, but I, I mean, were the, what were those guys like at the end of the game, you know, in the dugout? Because I, these are situations where I almost feel like guys are going to, at some point in time, go and get an IV because of the lack of fluids, that, that, that they yeah. because of the amount of fluids they lose. That, that game was really to bring refreshments. He brought Capri Suns and Orange Slices, so they had plenty in the, in the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> you, act, you act like they didn't have water back there. I mean, they do, I mean, they do, they do hide things. Um, during the game, I was just telling you, crap, Evan. But I know that um, because it's fun. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, it's just like, especially coming off the break. So right, you feel like just rejuvenated and refreshed, and you've got this four-day period of time to recharge. I mean, I felt the same way. I've been off for two weeks because I didn't work the road trip before, so I was like ready to go back to work. I was excited, like let's get this second half started. Let's you know play some baseball, and and then that thing was just like. Not only was it just so incredibly hot, but then it, the game, the pace was just so slow, and then you go to extra innings, and uh, they, they just were lethargic. I mean, like, just physically, I think, and emotionally drained after that, just because of, like, the roller coaster ride they went on during that game, and then the heat to go with it. Um, I think everybody was just kind of like, whoa, uh, you know, welcome back to, to reality. The break is obviously over. So, and it, it, I think it even, it, it even, you know, carried over a little bit into the next day. Oh, I think it's carried over all weekend. I mean, there's just there was no, there absolutely was no break from the heat. And, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I don't know how this. It, not that not that outcomes really matter at this point in time, but the, this team has played four. Oh, well, last night was ninety. Monday night was ninety nine degrees. I think at game time temperature at game time. Yeah. So we had a real and cool it front. Felt, yesterday was like yeah. I mean, it's amazing, but yesterday felt. Okay. I mean, I felt decent. You felt refreshed yesterday, did you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, so much is on the early innings. You know, so so much is on that starting pitcher and what kind of a tone he set. Mm -hmm. And so you saw it with Giovanni when he went out, which who in a million years would have ever been thought thought about talking about the crisp pace of Giovanni Gallardo. No kidding. Which is absolutely insane. Um, But he has really, I mean, turned it around in that regard. And then, so, you know, they were, I think that everyone kind of responded accordingly. Um, and then you saw it last night when that second inning happened, it almost just like, it just sucks the life out of everything, which I think that's the case, whether or not it's a hundred degrees outside or not, you know, that's, that there's so much pressure on that starting pitcher to set the tone of the way that the rest of the game goes early in the innings, but or in the early innings. But, you know, last night for, I mean, that was just a disaster from, you know, from the second inning on. Absolutely. Um, we, we have a week left to go until the trading deadline. I'm not going to get into who's going to get traded with you and and whatnot, but you have a very um, good relationship with Adrian Beltre, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on where you feel like 
his head is right now, both about the deadline, which doesn't look like he's going to get moved. Uh, but I get the sense that Adrian has had something of a of a change of heart. You know, at the end of last year, we all talked to Adrian Beltre, and it was, I don't know that I want to be around for a rebuild, that I want to win a world championship before I go. Do you get a sense that he's softened on that a little bit, and because of his experience here, he just wants to finish as a Ranger? Without a doubt. I mean, I you know, in having conversations with him and not to, you know, to, to divulge the, the exact content of those conversations, but, you know, he doesn't, he realizes that going somewhere for two months, you're not to a contender. It's not like you're guaranteed to win a right. championship, right? So that's not guaranteed. He's been to a World Series. He's experienced that. He didn't win it. Um, but in all, you know, according to a lot of pe- people, especially those on that team and you know, those who covered it, that, that was it very easily could have been one, maybe should have been one. Um, you know, the way the circumstances happened in 2011 were crazy as we look back on them. But, you know, maybe more at peace with the way things went down in 2011 in St. Louis. Um, and then, too, I think she wants, he, he doesn't want to be a bit player. He doesn't right. want to be a uh, pinch hit bat off the bench. Uh, I think he would. See, he wouldn't see the, as much of a value in winning a ring if he's not a major part of, you know, someone's plan. And so I think that's caused him to look at things differently. I think the fact that, you know, he feels settled here, his family feels settled here, um, you know, even though they obviously they live full-time in California, but they do, you know, they, they make their way here very often. They feel comfortable in this setting. They've got their own kind of routine figured out. And there are times when Adrian is able to, get to family functions when he's able to be at you know his daughter's uh, christening or whatever it is that he's able to able to maneuver things schedule wise to where it makes it work so they've made it work here and i think he genuinely likes it here i think he genuinely likes his teammates um i just think he feels comfortable here and i think at this point in his life and in his career and in his uh where his family is i think there's a lot he takes a lot of he puts a lot of value uh on that yeah, I really think I feel like I've seen a change, and I also feel like he wants to go out as a Ranger, whether that's at the end of this year or I'm starting to think more likely that what will happen is that we'll have like a farewell tour as a 40-year-old Adrian Beltre kind of winds down his career next year with the Rangers. I think it means a lot to the Rangers. Um, I, I think that uh, that continuity would mean a lot to Adrian. And I know it would mean an awful lot to the fan base here. And I think it would be a great way for this this stadium to go out. It's not going to be a contending year in 2019. And if you've got people coming out to say goodbye to this ballpark that's brought them so many good memories and a chance to kind of really officially tip their hat to Adrian Beltre, I think that's about as good a marketing campaign as the Rangers can have. question I have is, do you think Adrian wants to come back and play one more year? Yeah, and that's a good question. You know, I mean, I think the last couple of seasons have been hard on him because of the injury. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think that he's never had to worry about his body breaking down. And I think that frustrates him beyond belief because that's not something he can get in the cage and fix or he can put in extra work on the field and make adjustments. It's just not something he can control. And so, you know, for the first time in his career, he's had to deal with circumstances that he's not able to work his Adrian Beltre his way out of, you right. know what I mean? And I think that's been hard for him, uh, you know, to, to swallow. And I think you'll see where he 
looks at you know quality of life, what he's missing with his family. Is he you know is he willing to 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 do to do this with a team that doesn't isn't perceived as a contender next season going in, you know going in? Right. Um, you know I think I, also too though I don't I don't think Adrian wants a farewell tour. I don't think he wants a bunch of obviously he doesn't want a bunch of attention. I think he wants a bunch. Of, you know what I mean? I, I just don't think that this doesn't seem like him. So I think even if he does come back next year. I don't think he's going to say it this last year, even though it probably would be, because I don't think he wants all the pomp and circumstances around it. Uh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, I, I want to talk about something that has gone has gone right here in the last six or eight weeks, and I really feel like you were the first to kind of identify it. You had talked with um, – I, I remember you, you talking with Ruggie Odor. I don't know if I, – I guess it was at the early part of June, and then uh, asking Jeff Bannister after a game – uh, at some point that, hey, Rugi said, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling something actually happening. I'm making a change. Uh, what have you seen from Rugnet Odor, and what do you think actually led to him making the changes that he's made? Because, uh, and here's where I insert baseball stats that make your, your head tired, but he, he is he's made one error in the last 50 games, I believe it is. He's, he's stolen seven bases in eight attempts since he started running. He's hitting over 300 for the last month uh, with an OPS pushing 900. He's played the kind of baseball that the Rangers expected they would get when they signed him to that long-term contract. What do you think made the, the big difference for him? Well, I, I think sometimes you've got to get, get down pretty low before you can get back up and realize you know, what it's going to take to get, to get back there and, and just, quite frankly, how far you've fallen. And I think he reached that point to where he he realized. And I, I think Rudy's a very confident guy. So for a long time, he tried to pretend like nothing was going, everything's fine. I feel good. I feel fine. And then finally, he was honest with himself and others around him that okay, it's not. I'm not fine. I'm not okay. I do need to do what. But what can I do? And so I think he took a long look in the mirror. I think he, you know, really kind of self evaluated. Um, I think he got scared that this could be taken away from him, mm-hmm. um, that, he, that he might have to go back to the minor leagues. I think, you know, all these, these, you know, fears probably manifested themselves to the point to where he had to confront them, whether he wanted to or not. Uh, and then I think once he got into this whole kind of, I don't want to call it a rebuilding process, but maybe a, a rediscovery process, that he, he bought in and he started actually liking it. So Tony Beasley told me that, you know, a couple months ago, he started initiating these pregame workouts, um, you know, where he comes in before BP, and he's out there almost every day, um, you know, and they're working on hand-eye coordination angles, they're working on footwork, they're working on decision-making. And so these were, you know, Beasley initiated in the beginning. Right. And then Beasley told me that recently in the last, you know, three weeks to a month, that it's Ruby. Ruby comes and gets them, and it's time to go out, and let's go, and let's, you know, do this. And he's he bought into this, and, and seeing the results, obviously, um, helps things, but you know, he. I think he he allowed himself to be vulnerable. He allowed himself to be vulnerable, quite frankly, to me emotionally, and talking about the mental aspect of the game and the fears that he was having. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, personally and professionally, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he talked a lot to Mike Napoli. Um, I think Tony Beasley has been highly instrumental in him turning this thing around. Um, so I think it's been a lot of people that have. Uh, that he's kind of reached out to and allowed himself to be vulnerable to, to where I don't think that was that's something he he was willing to do until he got to that low place that he was at because 
he's a proud guy and he's a tough guy and all that kind of stuff. And he didn't want to, you know, kind of allow himself to be vulnerable and allow people to see that. But I think that once he did, he allowed himself to be, um, to, to, to get help, uh, which we all need. I mean, vulnerability is a, is a, is a, is a scary thing, but it's also a really uh, liberating thing if you can allow yourself to be vulnerable, and especially with people who care about you, who want you to succeed and who want what's best for you. Um, it, it, it's kind of the you know the coming together of a really a really cool thing if if you can allow yourself to be vulnerable, and then you've got people around you who want to help. Yeah, it, it has been um, it's been fun to watch. I remember. Uh, the first time I kind of noticed this 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 early work was in Seattle, I think it was, and he and Beasley went out during early BP. The players are all, you know, the players are all in the cage taking some extra swings at two o'clock in the afternoon, and he and Beasley are off in the left field corner with some cones set up, working on angles and first step and and footwork set up, uh, and that has been kind of a daily ritual ever since. Uh, you mentioned Mike Napoli. I know he has texted and spoken with Mike. Uh, I, he, I think he had a pretty important conversation with, with Robinson Trinos as well uh, during that process. I think he sought out both Beltre and, and, and Andrus. It has been a um, – and I do think that when you mention the idea of, of, of the fear of possibly losing it, you know, sometimes for, for all this to come together, you've actually got to have that threat there. And I don't think that the Rangers – had a real threat to his playing time until Profar started performing this year and until Kiner Falefa came up and, and started performing. And then I think it did hit Ruggie a little bit that, hey, nothing is guaranteed. I don't know how bluntly the Rangers the, the Rangers said that to him. I think it was certainly inferred. But uh, I, I have to give him all the credit for taking all of this and really processing it well and – he's a different he's an entirely different player right now and in 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 a lot of ways to me he's also an entirely different um person in the clubhouse he's he's once again kind of uh what's the right word i, I you know there, there there's almost sometimes a childlike um impishness about him and and, and then then there's times when i think he tries to be that brooding tough guy and he's back to really kind of that childlike young guy Kind of, I'm just here having so much fun. I, that's the feeling I get seeing him in the clubhouse right now. Yeah, and it's funny. It's funny you mention that because I, he and I just had a conversation yesterday talking about my son Henry, who's seven, and he's playing baseball. And so he was telling me he said when he gets a little bit older, you need to have him go to go, uh, you know, take lessons or whatever for, from Erickson Andrews, who is uh, Elvis's brother. brother. Yeah, and he said. He, the thing that's great about Erickson is he, he teaches like we learn to play baseball in Venezuela. He said, in, you know, and it's fun and it's, you know, it's not so, it, it, he said it's just different. It's a different feel. And he said, I really think that, um, that Henry would benefit from having, you know, from, from learning under Erickson just to get a different take on, you know, on baseball. Obviously, it's a game that's very, it's the same, but the way it's taught is different. Um, in Latin countries than it is in America. And I thought that was a really good point, and it brings home the fact that all all the Rangers have wanted is for Ruby to get back to that, to this kid that plays with an edge, that plays with his hair on fire, that, 
you know, that doesn't think too much or worry too much or, you know what I mean, but just right. uses his ability and uh, on the baseball field without having to, to think too much. And I think that, that that came into the equation a little bit. And there's guys that have to, to think and watch film and make adjustments and all that kind of stuff. And obviously that all takes work, but there's something about have, being able to hone in on that talent and, and the passion in which you play with, um, you know, to make yourself successful uh, at any level and regardless of how long you've been playing this game. And so much of it starts when you're when you're a rookie or when you're young. Uh, um, and it, 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 so many times you see guys get away from that. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's, to me, that's one great thing about Elvis, even when he went through the, the, the struggles of the years that he went through, is I don't think he ever lost the joy for playing the game. Now, he had to reach bottom in a different way. But I don't think he ever lost that joy for playing the game. And I do feel like over the last year I saw too much of Rugi kind of stalking to the plate and glaring and trying to be um, tougher than he needed to be. Everybody knows how tough he is. Everybody knows how hard he plays. I just think he needed to go back out and be Rugnet Odor and, and have fun. And, and it's good to see. I think for me it's been as impressive on defense because he looks so smooth right now on defense compared to the player I've seen the last two years, uh, it, it's been a real pleasure to see. Um, well, and, that, and that's another thing Bees has talked about is the fact that he's anticipating things so much better. He's locked in so much earlier. And people get so frustrated when you talk about that. Like, how can these guys not be focused? And I'm like, they're fu- I mean, listen, let me tell you something. It's, that, it's, that's not <laughs> it's like 162 games. I mean, and, you know, with all the circumstances surrounding it. I mean, yeah, it's not... Yes, they get paid a lot of money, and yes, they should be focused all the time. But also, too, like there is, it, it's understandable why that you know laser focus isn't you know sometimes goes away at times, or sometimes it's not as as sharp as it should be. And so, you know, I think that he's made a conscious effort to you know to, to make that that focus a, a priority because he knows he's got the talent, and if he can anticipate things physically, he knows he can make the play. Oh. I agree. And I mean, what people don't understand sometimes is, you know, you talk about focusing in on every pitch. Chu has talked about focusing in on every pitch. Guys talk about not taking pitches off. You know, in, in the course of a 162-game season, you're talking about 40,000-plus pitches over the course of a season for most guys. And it, it, it's impossible not to, at some point in time, lose some level of concentration. I, I think I get you, distracted during a thirty-second hit on TV. I mean, and it's easy to get distracted too when you're down fifteen to three. Speaking of which, and, and this will be our last to- uh, serious topic here, but uh, players pitching. Your thoughts, Emily? I mean, it's a fun bit. I, I think. I mean, I I, I like it. I mean, obviously, I don't like the circumstances that lead up to it, but right. um, I mean, I enjoyed seeing Ryan Rowe last night throw 91, and then he talked to him post game, and he's like, "Well, I mean, they told me not to throw hard, so I just stick it in there." And I'm like, "Well, okay." So do we? Um, that's like we're standing there when he does that, and I, I ended up writing a line about this last night. But my question is, like, is is that Ryan's droll sense of humor, or is he just good being that dry at that moment? I, I don't know what it was. No, he's absolutely positively serious. That was definitely not a joke. I, but it was hilarious, was it not? It was it a great was line. Amazingly hilarious, which is what makes it funnier. When you're not trying to be funny and you're funny, it makes it even funnier. Absolutely. Um, and, and uh, he, but yeah, he was serious. 
and I, I, you know, I think it is, and I'm do, I've done a little research. I'm planning to write something about the whole idea of pitchers pitching. You know, ten years ago, actually in 2006, not a single pitcher, not a single position player pitched in the major league game in the entire season. This year, we've had 41 appearances already by position players, and it's just a. a, a I, I think managers see some benefit to cha- to saving some of their some of their relievers and lost causes. I think fans. I think a lot of this is also driven by fans that like the game is the game is a waste. We're if we're still watching this game, give us something to look for. We know there's not going to be a comeback. Uh, we want to see the oddity of a position player pitching. So they're getting it. And uh, the Rangers last night did it for them twice with. Carlos Tochi pitching two-thirds of an inning. Um, I'm not going to get into any smarmy comments that I could make. Uh, and Ryan Rua then pitching a one-two-three. And that was the thing. I asked Ryan Rua last night after the game. I was like, what about your ball strike ratio? And he was like, I don't even know what it was. I said, Ryan, you threw eight pitches, seven or more strikes. He said, uh, yeah, it, wasn't that. It, it doesn't look – it's not as easy as it looks. Okay. Right. Um. But it, it was it, it does add like a little fun bit. And I do think the thing I want to ask Jeff Bannister about today, and you feel free to steal this question if you'd like for your TV segment, but I do think that you know you get into a game where you're get, it's an embarrassing game and you're losing by 10 runs, 12 runs, you just want to get it over with. It does like you look at that dugout. I saw Bartolo laughing. I saw a couple guys laughing once the pitchers got once the position players got in there. And I do think it takes a little bit of the sting out of, sitting around and brooding about how much of a bad loss this is and right. kind of taking the edge off a little bit. Yeah, and I, think, I mean, at that point, I mean, you know, right. I mean, let, let's, give, let's give the people something. You know, right. let's give, let's do something. And you're saving your bullpen arm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I, I don't see why, you know, why you wouldn't do it. I mean, it makes perfect sense. And, yes, it's a bit, but it also is a bit that makes sense, you know? Well, speaking of bits, Emily, and, and giving the people what they want, we're going to turn the tables on you here as we end the uh, as we end the podcast today. Um, and you're going to be uh, participating in a little game we like to call. We just came up with this, by the way, but we're okay. calling it Ranger Most Likely. Oh wow! I have never heard of this. Yes, um, I, I, I I've been thinking about this long and hard for a long time. I think it's a good idea. Um, never mind the fact that you do this with every player and have been for how long now? Uh, I think 2010 is when we started it. All right. Well, I don't know if these questions are going to meet up to your normal levels of um, hilariousness, but we'll try, okay? Okay. All right. All right. Uh, are you familiar with Comic-Con? I am familiar with Comic-Con. Okay. Which is the Ranger most likely to dress up and attend Comic-Con? Uh, I'm going to go Tony Barnett. You got a reason for that? Um, I don't know. I just feel like he, like, I feel like he might dress up, like, to make his daughter, because he has two girls, that, like, he might do, like, some sort of superhero thing for the girls to make them smile or something, and so maybe he would just carry that over to Comic-Con. Okay. Who is the ranger to actually likely, ranger most likely, see, I'm already, I can't do this as well as you. <laughs> Who is the ranger most likely to f- literally go crazy from the heat? Go crazy from the heat. Oof. Um, man, that's a good one. 
crazy? Who would go crazy? Um, God, it's a hard one. I, I, I get paid to ask the hard questions, Emily. I know. This is, this is hard. I'm going to say, I think Jose Leclerc just, just breaks down and loses it. Just <laughs> completely loses it. Jose Leclerc. He sure. strips down to his underwear, runs on the field, and is tackled yep. by security. There we go. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, who is the Ranger most likely to end up on the disabled list from a Fortnite injury? Uh, Jake Diekman, and it's not even close. <laughs> Jake Diekman is so into Fortnite, I can't deal. Just wait till he has that baby, or Amanda has that baby. He's going to be able to play that Fortnite all the time. Uh, well, I, that, yeah, because he's never going to sleep. Um, <laughs> right. Who is the Ranger most likely to eat at Guy, Fieri, Guy Fieri's new taco joint in Texas Live? You are so butthurt about this. It cracks me up. I, I just, uh, I'm like over Guy Fieri. I want somebody from Texas in there. You are so angry about Guy Fieri. Um, I'm jealous of his see. hair, Emily. <laughs> yeah, who isn't? Um, let's see. Ah, who's going to eat at the taco joint? I'm going to go. Hmm. Delano to Shields. Delano to Shields. Delano likes tacos. He's an adventurous guy. Um, He's so adventurous. And last one. Who is the Ranger most likely to be two into fantasy football this year? Oh, gosh. Nap used to run that thing. I don't know who's running it now. Um, I'd say, I think Ryan Rua might get, might get into it. He's a big, uh, I think he's Michigan guy. Isn't he Michigan? Or is Who, that that was Derek? Who's that? That Derek Holland. Ryan Rua. Ryan Rua. Okay. All right. What doesn't he's a big college football he's a big is he a Michigan guy? I think he's an Ohio State guy. Is he that's what I'm thinking of. Maybe he and Derek had that rivalry. Yes. Derek's Michigan guy. He's they Ohio had the State. big game rivalry. Oh, that's right. It is. Ryan Rua is Ohio State. So I'd say Ryan Rua, he's a big college football fan. All right. How did I do with those questions? You did awesome. I did awesome. Amazing. Emily, yeah. I kept you way longer than I promised you I'd keep you, but I will buy you a bottle of wine somewhere down the road for this. Awesome. That's all I need. All um, I need is wine. I'm just I'm I'm here for you. Thank you for joining us. I will let you get back to enjoying your day before you go to the ballpark and sweat. All right. Thanks, Evan. All right, okay. take care, Emily. There goes Emily Jones McCoy, our friend, good sport, and great Rangers insider. Uh, really enjoyed that conversation today. I think she had some great points about Rugnet Odor and Adrian Beltre. Uh, she didn't mention having actual, uh, I believe the phrase she used from her trip to Six Flags earlier in the week was having swamp ass over the heat. So she didn't use that. And if I'm now bleeped out, then I'm bleeped out. But it was a great Ranger talk. Uh, we head into the deadline here within a week. Uh, I feel like I could make any pronouncements that you'd like me to make, but this is also fluid and could change in, in, in any moment. I, I think it's imperative for the Rangers to try and move Cole Hamels. I just don't know what kind of value he's got right now. And that is going to be the uh, the focus for the next six or seven days is, is there a market for Cole Hamels, who was going to be probably the Rangers' top trade piece. Um, now I don't know where this, this stands. Uh, I think there are scouts here also looking at Jake Diekman, 
scouts looking at Keone Kella. But Kella is going to fall on the list somewhere behind Zach Britton, who you know is right now the most coveted reliever on the market. So we'll see where we stand in a week. Kevin should be back at that point in time. We'll get back into uh, wrapping up the trade deadline then. And until then, so long, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.